Welcome to the Kingdom Women Podcast, a podcast by and for women who seek to fully and freely live the gospel reality of Christ's kingdom come. Through our candid conversations here, our desire is that our union with Christ will deepen and that His kingdom will come in us and through us, that we all may be free indeed. So here we are again. Last season, we discussed beauty biblical womanhood and we knocked apart some nonsense that's been erected about what it is and what it's not this season we're discussing relationships in christ's kingdom naturally the question keeps coming up if the way we've been looking at god's plan for women and men in relationships has been skewed how then shall we live judy beachy sarah ornelas and sarah nisley from our own kingdom women's podcast have assured us they know what it's like to live in marriage relationships that are honoring and freeing and empowering as Christ intended all relationships in his kingdom to be. So we beg them to show us, to tell us, to answer our questions. And their husbands have agreed to come on with them and let us listen in while they talk together about how their relationships work out based on Christ's kingdom model of mutual servanthood and honor. And we are giving the time now to Jason and Judy Beachy, Noelle and Sarah Ornelas, and Joel and Sarah Nisley. You can start off by telling us a little about yourselves if you like, and after that, take it where you want it to go. Maybe you can pretend that we're sitting around a fire with you and you're hearing our questions and you're just sharing about how it all works for you. So brief introductions and go. The Beachy's first. Well, we're we're Jason and Judy Beachy, and uh, this is I've never done anything anywhere close to this. So this is new, all new for me, and I'm I'm a little nervous, and I don't do real well getting my thoughts together. Um, but I'm Judy helps me really well with that, and. Uh, I don't married, know what else to say. Well, we've been married 20 years, um, which isn't that long, really. And some of those years have been really good, and some of those years have been really rough. But um, <laughs> Jason says, you know how, how we're supposed to smooth off each other's rough edges? We don't really do that. He says we knock them off. <laughs> we whack them off. I say off. we whack them off. <laughs> and so we've had a lot of edges knocked off over the years, and it feels like in the last several years we finally... I don't know, let go of some of the expectations that we both felt like we had to. Expectations and demands. Yeah, that we felt like we had to live up to and mm -hmm. just found our own rhythm. And it's been really, really sweet. Whether our own expectations or other people's yeah. expectations. That's great. And now we're living in marital bliss. <laughs> no more problemos. Let's not let's not talk about last week, shall we? <laughs> well, if, if, yeah. Judy, if yeah, Judy sounds like it's pretty good, so we're we're expecting. Good <laughs> well, you've heard Gwen. You've heard some of the not pretty good pieces of of our story too. I think I've shared with you. So you know, it's been a, it's been um. We've battled to get to where we are. We really have, but it's been worth it. We've, I think we've been fairly real with each other. I think we've loved hard and we've, we fought hard and we've loved hard. Yeah. And 
usually we put in a hundred percent with each other and it's, I think it's, it's enriched. It's, it's made our marriage better. And we've, I think we've gotten to know each other in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited to hear mm -hmm. more. Joel and Sarah Nisley. We've been married for eight years. Going on, going on nine, I guess. <laughs> feels like it's been longer, and at the same time, it feels like it hasn't been very long at all. But, so I guess we're kind of still newlyweds. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, they, yeah, and with the with the health issues, yeah. and things. You, some some of that time was kind of spent concentrating on those. I mean, or like it took a lot of the energy and. It's like we kind of are emerging out of this fog of me being sick for most of our marriage, and all of a sudden we're kind of discovering each other again. <laughs> well, Noel and Sarah yet. Yeah, we've been married for ten and a half years. Uh, seven months after we got married, we headed to Tanzania uh, for our first stint there. Um, our first house there, our first bed in Tanzania was two student cots like they were made with like lumber with like a frame around them that were each i don't know not even three feet wide pushed together with little two inch foam mats on them and that was our our, our bed <laughs> i'm not sure why that was but yeah so we uh we didn't have you know a lot of support going through those um, years of, uh, yeah, just family input, church input. Um, so we kind of had to struggle through those things. And sometimes I think that was a good thing. Yeah, we felt like it was uh, somebody hit fast forward. <laughs> um, just all the stresses and of crossing cultures and learning how to communicate with each other um was uh yeah but the lord has been faithful and yeah has brought us through and we are yeah we're best friends and uh love to talk about uh theology and um kingdom visions and dream together dream together um and do together. Yeah. <laughs> do adventures. I would say our marriage went through a crash course, like Noel was saying in Tanzania. Um, yeah. What I thought marriage should look like and what it actually looked like two years, three years into it, coming back from Tanzania were two pretty different things. And it was good. Good changes. I, I knew I was going to, I especially was going to crash and die if I kept trying to live up to these expectations. So anyways, it was good for us. And then we were all alone. We just had to talk to each other. <laughs> well, I think that's a great place to start. Just tell us what your expectations were and how they have changed. And then you others get in on that same question. That was one of the questions that we wanted you to discuss. Expectations, what changed um, from expectations we had or ideas of marriage um that we had before marriage mm -hmm. um i think both we've we talked about it and 
both of us kind of came through the homeschooling movement. Um, uh, Sarah was family was involved in Bill Gothard um, uh, from ten from when I was ten. And I we my family never got into that, but kind of brushed up against it a lot. Um, growing up, I would have been mostly exposed to the complementarianism um, and kind of patriarchal um, husband has uh, full control of direction and um, and yeah it, it the buck stops with him on making major decisions um, and um, so that's that's what I grew up as the ideal um, uh, ideal man, ideal husband. Um, and my dad, he was a lot like I am just pretty laid back. Um, mm -hmm. And so I saw, yeah, dad was a very gentle um, leader. Um, so I had that as an example, but um, but yeah, um, and so in our early marriage, um, I, I felt a lot of pressure, um, not necessarily from Sarah, uh, although she would have helped to those beliefs as well. Um, but just, uh, trying to force myself into that, uh, kind of Come more aggressive leadership, yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not my personality. And for me, I had totally embraced the idea of, of submission being silence and self-subjection. Um, and so I was always trying to figure out what he wanted to make it happen and suppress my own, um, yeah, fears and, and thoughts and visions and just try and make what I thought he wanted to happen happen. But that's not my personality. My personality is extremely expressive. And I mean, I was 30 when we married and I already was running my own business. And so I went from making all of my <laughs> adult decisions to suddenly like, what do you want for dinner tonight, honey? And he, he like literally <laughs> didn't care what I cooked for dinner, but I still like had those expectations. I mean, that's a very minor thing, but yeah. And the other thing was like, Okay. <laughs> so the other thing was like, though, in spiritual things, we also like, we think our values are very much the same, but the way we process spiritual things is a lot different. I'm very like, okay, give me a framework, give me a structure. And how do you describe yourself more? Um, I, I love to explore new ideas and just try, try new things out. Um, new ideas um. and new ideas especially in our early marriage scared me because i had already departed from baptist bill gothard fundamentalism to become into the anabaptist circles and so i had like these really clear things that i could explain and defend to my fundamentalist background friends um but i felt like I could reassure them that I do hang on to these. <laughs> and when Noelle and I were dating, he would bring out some of these really far out ideas. And I was like, that was threatening to me and scary to me. <laughs> so I have certainly enjoyed learning to be comfortable with exploring new, new ideas. But 
it was scary to me. And I was like, how am I going to explain that to everyone? <laughs> that you, you think what, <laughs> you know, <laughs> more image control, I guess that was on me. Well, I, that, that's actually very relatable. This is Jason and Judy now. Um, very relatable, especially especially the, the pieces about the internal and external pressures on um, and tried to tried to live up to. Yeah, when uh, right before we got married, my dad told me that Basically that I need to, uh, there's times I'm going to need to sit on my wife and how'd that work out for you? And, <laughs> and I, I kind of took that to heart and no. <laughs> you wasn't that on very easy sadly. <laughs> or gladly. And then, uh, when we were in, uh, we were in service in Canada, uh, a coworker told me the same thing. And by then I had, I had realized that, you know what, that's not, that really doesn't work, especially with her. It's like sitting <laughs> on a bad. cushion negatively. <laughs> and Occupying. so, and by then I kind of, I knew that wasn't, I knew it wasn't right. And it didn't work for us. I knew that. And so I, I told the guy when he told me, that I need to just sit on her. I said, I don't think my role as a leader is to sit on her, but my role and, and squash her vision and dreams. But my, I think my, my role as a leader is to direct that energy and to direct those dreams and, and goals. But with that, it took me years to really get there and I'm, I'm still getting there. Oh, you're pretty close, <laughs> but it, it took me a long time to, I, I knew what I wanted, where I wanted to be, but I wasn't quite sure how it looked and what it, yeah, I, I had to rechange, rethink and re restructure my thinking or re I, I'm not sure what the right word is. Reorganize I had to read, your yeah. framework. What I, it, it's like, Paul says, what I really want to do, I don't do and the things I don't want to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we're at, we're at a pretty good place compared to Can where I we were. I'd like to ask a question that brings up, how do you direct her vision? Is that where you are now? And how does that look? Well, I think one of the ways is to hear her dreams. Like, and, and this was another thing that I felt like was required of me is to be the one with the vision, to be the one with the, the ideas and uh, come up with, I felt like as a leader, that was my job. I needed to do that. And I just couldn't, it just wasn't there. It's still not there really. But I think one of the things that I needed to do was just to allow her, allow Judy to, for me to hear her her dreams and her goals and her visions um, and give her the space to to um, I was gonna say concoct <laughs> that's not the word I want give her the space to just just to to share those and to grow those 
and then with that talk through with her um and if i if i didn't feel if i don't feel good about something she's doing i'll tell her it's not like tell her no you can't i'll just say well i don't know i don't it's more like a give and take um i'll give my input but it's not like i feel like i have to make her do it or not make her do it or not do it whatever the situation may be yeah i i i I bought into that too. Like I felt like I had, I'm, I'm clearly in our marriage. I'm the one with all the vision and the ideas and the energy, even like Jason's Noel describes himself as very laid back. And so is Jason. Like he is, this is often how it goes for us, even with small things, you know, Judy has the idea, let's grow a garden. Let's put a garden in the backyard and get a tiller and make this thing happen. Well, you know, so I get everybody gung ho, let's go do this. And, and then I get discouraged. And then guess who is just like Mr. Persistent, you know, not quitting <laughs> when I'm ready to throw in the towel because this isn't working out. And he's like, no, we're <laughs> going to see this through. And and I, we're a good team that way. Like, mm. and that's just a minor example. And, and actually our garden is a success. That's not even a good example because it's not a true example. But um, <laughs> I am in our, in our marriage. I am the visionary. Um, but then then Jason reins me in when I get a little too too far out crazy or or he he comes along and and makes happen like I, I might have vision but then he comes along and sees what needs done to to really flesh out the vision and that's been true of different things we've gotten involved in different um you know just caring for people or projects around the house or different things like that um so, so I felt like, you know, with all that pressure that as, as to be a submissive wife that I need to like lose myself sort of, and, um, just qu quit being this crazy idea woman and, and, you know, just quit having vision and purpose and, and goals and whatever. And I needed to, like Sarah was saying, back his up, but I had a hard time pulling out of him what, what, you know, uh, what his vision was. Should I just tell the story about? So, so when when we were first married, and you know, I would ask him, like, what is he? What does he dream of of doing? You know, what is he? Or maybe it's even we were dating. You know, with, with his life, and um, he he just wanted to be a dad. You know, and I'm like a dad. Like, okay, so what else? Well, that was that was what he dreamed of ever since he was a little boy when other kids would want to be a policeman and a farm man he wanted to be a dad and he is an awesome dad and he has taught me so much about the father heart of god so i'm supposed to get me with all these visions just bubbling out of me without me even trying you know all these all this grand and glorious stuff that i'm seeing that i could get involved in i i have to like kill that to support him that was the pressure i felt and she doesn't make a very good dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so so I had, yeah, to 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 wrestle through that and figure out what this looks like. That was that was intense because yeah, I didn't it didn't work for me to like to try to kill who I was to conform to the external pressure to be the kind of wife I thought I was supposed to be. And he didn't even like me when I was like that. So yeah, that didn't work. We had some, we were both 28 when we got married and we had some really, really rough times. And I, I've told people that if, if we wouldn't have 
believe that it was wrong to get divorced, we'd have, I think we'd have separated. It was really rough. <laughs> it was. Really rough. And, and then it's gradually gotten better over the years. But I think part of that was just the expectation that we had of ourselves, of each other, of what other people thought that we should be or shouldn't be. Yeah. And it's been 20 years of figuring out what we think and what we believe God is showing us and how he's leading what us. What he actually says about marriage. Yeah. I was just going to say, do you think God designs couples to complement each other like that? Never really saying that one person has to be exactly one thing and the other the other because God puts you with the kind of person you need. I mean, I don't know. Maybe God, no, God doesn't make mistakes, but you know, like, I think that God is sorry. I think that God sets us up with somebody that we could compliment and not in the complimentarian type way either. What? <laughs> yeah, right. well, exactly. I think one of the, one of the beautiful things about marriage is that a man represents one part of who God is and a woman represents another part. And together we can, I feel like, Judy and I can represent who God is in a way that I can't by myself mm -hmm. and neither can she by herself. And it's not that we can't represent who God is by ourselves. That's not what my point, but that's just part mm -hmm. of the beauty of, of men and women is that together we can, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in a church, um, together we can represent better who God is than we can by ourselves. I think it could be really easy to distort the picture of who God is by listening to what other people say about marriage instead of looking to God and seeing his heart about the whole thing. Yeah. When you're talking, it's sort of probably half of our audience isn't going to get this reference, but there's a scene in a movie where this prince is being set up uh, coming to America. This prince is being set up with his soon to be fiance and, you know, this big elaborate procession, she comes in and they meet each other for the first time. And he asks, asks her, you know, oh, you know, what, what kind of food do you like to eat? Oh, whatever you would like. And it's uh, <laughs> 20 minutes of her doing that. And that was totally my image of what marriage was supposed to be. I was a Debbie Pearl groupie. I was, <laughs> I, I have like, I mean, Transformed right? Wife was like on my follow page on Facebook. Like I... <laughs> I was big into that. I have like a, probably an entire bookshelf of books like that, which I don't know if they're going to survive um, in our next book purge. <laughs> that's very much, that was my thought of marriage. You know, I would call Joel up. It's like, can I go grocery shopping? Like, here's my shopping list. Like, and he's like, I, I just, I don't care. I really don't just, yeah. Do you, did I, did I forget to give you the debit card or, you know, <laughs> and I think that, Kind of the stuff we went through, um, I realized I could, I could depend on Joel physically, like when I was really physically weak and I couldn't take care of myself, I could depend on him like that, but I could depend on him to protect who God made me to be. And that, that was important, that I didn't just need to shut that down to build up his dreams. It's like, we can build together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a shared mission. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think we I think we decided that that I didn't really have my expectations didn't change that much. I got married. I I would say my parents were a good model of of um of a a relationship that the way it's supposed to be. The the my dad does a really good job of being a he's very humble. He's very much of a servant leader, has a servant heart. And so I think that was my model uh, rather than all these people. I didn't, (laughs) I don't think I've read those, any of those books or anything, but that was, or listen to those kinds of people. But that was my model. And, and I think that was my picture of, of what our marriage is supposed to reflect Christ in the church. And, and then my mom, um, actually, my dad has an eighth grade education. My mom was a registered nurse, so she had she had some college. Uh, but um, he he's he reads a lot, and he he's he's studied a lot on his own. But he, um, but my mom has has uh, plenty of opinions. Uh, <laughs> but but he he does well at. At valuing her input and her opinions, and um, yeah, and and then and, and making decisions from that, uh, it's I'd say it, it works together well. And and at a certain point, she uh, where, where they where they may have different viewpoints, she'll share her her viewpoint, and then and then. Um, yeah, and then if yeah, and and then um, support support what he the, the decision he comes to if it's something like that that somebody has to decide one thing or the other. Yeah, but she's definitely not a, a super meek and quiet person. I remember being shocked. I think we were we weren't even engaged yet, and we went out to visit your parents, and like she was telling your dad where to drive, and I was like. How could she like be so insubordinate? Like, what's going on? Like, you're supposed to turn here. Like, I would never say that to John. I had some growing up to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, no, here, Maynard, Maynard, that one, you just passed it. Like, you know, and that was shocking. Oh boy. Yeah, I definitely got a lot of people. I mean. I had several different men in my life, pastors and um, others that spoke to me, you're going to have to marry a really strong man or you're going to run the household. And so I had heard this spoken over my life many times. And, um, and actually one of our pastors expressed concern over our relationship in the very beginning because they perceived Noel as not that strong man that Sarah needed. Um, but what I discovered with Noel is, yeah, he may, he may not be smashing me down every day, but he was not intimidated by me. And I realized that a lot of these supposedly strong men types were intimidated by me and felt my expressing an opinion brought something out in them that they felt threatened instead of just treating me like an adult and being able to give and take and respond you know, like an adult to my questions and opinions, it was a threat to them. 
and Noel was not threatened. He would still express his opinions and very different opinions sometimes. And I was, it was so freeing to be with someone who um, wasn't threatened by me. And I just realized that was super, super important and exactly what I needed. And all those people who spoke that into my life, it made, it made my love and submission to him a choice. You know, probably if I had married one of these strong guys, I would have just been smashed down and I would probably not be a very growing person. I don't know, whatever, but to love him, to work together with him, to, to dig out his heart and find out his thoughts from someone who's not stomping them all over me has taken more of a conscious choice and more of a Christ-like decision-making process than just submitting to whatever this strong leader type that you need supposedly was shoving down my throat. Yeah, I would submit, Sarah, that you actually did marry a strong man. I did. You married a a stronger man than what they were proposing you should marry. Exactly. (laughs) Because I I look at men like my Jason, apparently you're Noel, and they are some of the strongest men because they aren't shook by by women who have a, a personality or, or an opinion or a you know and and that they're not, that the, the security like the what's the word i want the the, the self-awareness um what's the word that i want they're not insecure and there's a strength no. in that like they're safe yeah they're safe yeah they have nothing um, nothing noel noel even reflects that in his relationships with other men and i, I feel like that's probably He's not threatened by them having a different opinion for him. He doesn't have to come out all nails and nails and bats to fight for his perspective on something. He says it, he he explains it. And if they have a different opinion, that's not going to end his day. You know, he moves on. (laughs) No, I definitely thought I wanted a Michael Pearl type, which scares me now. The idea of you throwing knives and all, yeah, anyway, you. But I think there's something really freeing and and it gives a lot of security to know I can completely like lose my mind on something and panic and freak out. And Joel's just kind of sitting there like waiting for me to be done. (laughs) (laughs) No, in the end, he can tease out where we're going to go and I can trust the decision he's going to make. Like we he makes decisions with me at the center. I mean, God's at the center of it, but if he's looking at decisions that are, are going to affect both of us, he considers me before himself. And that's something I saw when we were dating. And I don't think that's the the mentality that says a man needs to be, you know, the, the, the decision maker in a home. It doesn't have that. And that doesn't reflect Jesus at all. Jesus doesn't put himself at the center of anything. He, he, he does everything for us. I think one of the things that has uh, helped me be, well, okay, one thing that I've observed in myself is that as I am more okay with, as I realize the things that Judy has to bring to the marriage and has the things that I can learn from her, the more... I can just be okay with myself as well. It's when I feel like I need to be something that is somebody else's expectations, or if I'm not realizing 
what she has to offer and who she is, then I try to get out of who I really am. Um, it's kind of like at, at work. I'm a supervisor at work. And there's guys that have been there a lot longer than I have. And if I can't make all the decisions by myself, I pull guys in all the time, every day. Hey, what should we do here? Should we, how, what's the best way to design this cabinet or to build this piece? Um, and I see we, we've, we've learned to do that as well. And she's, she's free to give it. And I, I, I want that. I don't, I, I can't do it by myself. I don't want to be the leader by myself. I want to do it together. It's fun to do it together. It is. <laughs> Maybe something you all could address is people who are naturally, like you're saying that the the commanding type isn't your personality, but maybe you all could first at some point could address what if people are that naturally commanding like type? What are they supposed, you know, what what they what they're supposed to do, you know? <laughs> You mean if a man's that way? Mm. Yeah, like what if it's a natural thing just to lead, go, and not listen or not have input? Sure. We should have got question. somebody. <laughs> we should have got somebody like that on. Oh, no. <laughs> what I mean, Joel, Joel, are you more of that kind of like take the bull by the horns and get her done kind of guy? He can be that way. I gotta be, yeah. My, my dad's first question when I was talking about courting Sarah is, is asked if she was calm. <laughs> he thought I needed somebody calm, I guess. But I can kind of, I think as in our relationship, I could be the more steady one. I, I can be that way if I need to be. That's kind of, and I, I think that's where we kind of compliment each other. We both hate conflict. Hey, and, I, and I would say there are times that I get uh, that Sarah has to calm me down. Yep. I, I'd say that that happens so, too. It's kind of we trade off. Yeah. <laughs> that was a well, Same, but now now I'm curious, Sarah. You say you both hate conflict. Do you hate it for the same reasons? Do you avoid conflict for the same reasons? Probably. I think both of us value what we have in our relationship so much that we don't want to lose it. We don't want to see that get marred by annoying each other too much. But I don't know. I think it kind of boils down to when we've had conflicts. I mean, like I said, Joel's really good at considering me when it comes to decisions that he's making. But I can trust that, you know, the times that he is decisive and there's a decision that's going to be made, regardless of the concerns I've expressed or whatever, if he's going to make a decision that crosses what I want or what I feel is right, I trust him. Like there've been a handful of times where I'm like, this is the wrong decision. And I don't know why we're doing this. And I'm sitting in the corner panicking and he's like, we're, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> and, and I trusted him through it. And you know, sometimes he was right. <laughs> sometimes I give him a hard time about it. And sometimes he's not, and it's still okay, right? Like, right, who, I'm, who says we have to always make the perfect decisions? God's in it anyway. Right. I mean, like, there there are times that he's had to make a definite decision, and I kind of want to lollygag and decide for an hour or a month or whatever. 
And he's had to just go, it's going to be this way, Sarah, and we have to go somewhere and we're going. And that's where, when I jumped into this crazy thing, like we're both in the yoke together. And at a certain point I have to stop balking and go, <laughs> but I, I trust him because, because he considers me every time. Yeah. I try to make the, get as much information. I mean, get, get your perspective and make the best informed decision I can. This reminds me of another question that we've discussed some, that in defense of male headship, we often hear people say, someone has to have the final word. It's, it's an interesting concept. There are lots of relationships in this world where there isn't one who has the final word, but I'm just wondering how does that, how does that work in your relationship? Is that, is, is, do you find that true? Do you think that's a biblical concept that someone has to have the final word? Just, I just love to hear from you on it. I don't know, Noel. Have we ever run into a point? Are we are, where you've had to make a decision? I mean, theoretically, that's kind of what our fallback would be. But I don't know that we've ever run into a point where we haven't been able to come, yeah, to pretty much total unity by the time we've had to make a major decision, have we? Um, something that comes to mind uh, kind of in our early, earlier marriage um, was when we were, we, we had gone to Tanzania um, and um, we, we had our first daughter born there. And in the mud hut with the grassroots. We were only in supposed to go, <laughs> we were only supposed to go for um, three months. Yeah, that's true. Three months. We had committed to three months. Yeah. And then um, the missionary couple asked us to fill in for them while they come back home on furlough. So that way that added another six months. Yeah. It and kept getting longer and longer. I can't remember. So it yeah, it was it was just kind of a indefinite, like we don't really know how long this is gonna be. And it was extremely tough on Sarah back in those days we I mean we lived very primitively um she was trying to learn the language she didn't have a lot of time to study she was trying to learn how to cook over charcoal and um just so and I got pregnant with my second baby four months after I had the first I, I don't know how I did that to her <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, you know how wait, you did it to me. Wait, but. I was just saying, hold on a minute here. I mean, no, I mean all the other stuff. Oh, all the other stuff. Not what you said. Okay. <laughs> Did you have the time? Okay, so, um, when, when uh, the missionary family came back, they wanted us to stay on for another school term. Uh, we had an English course that we would do for three months. So they wanted to do that, wanted me to do that again. And um, so yeah, how you're, how how far along with Ellie? Till we made a decision or till we, Yeah. I can't remember, pretty far along. I know we came home only two months before I had her, however that worked out. Yeah. And so I felt like um, we can do this and, um, you know, I, I really loved the, the work there and I had gotten super sick, ended up in the hospital. I had lost 20 pounds and um, 
And I, I was just struggling on mm-hmm. every level and feeling like a failure, literally in every area of my life. <laughs> That's where I was at emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, growing up, I read so many, you know, missionary biographies uh, where they put, you know, put everything on the line, you know. Buried their was, wife and sang over the grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, say goodbye to their children, put them in boarding schools and like everything you sacrifice for the gospel. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I, yeah, I remember um, just really being uh, conflicted about it because I saw this could potentially just burn my wife out. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I felt, you know, if we run away uh, to, to safety, you know, that's, that's not really spiritual. Um, mm. So I, I remember going, um, spending a day up on the mountain um, praying. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just, um, and I, I came, like, I felt like we should, we should say, I felt like the Lord gave me the passage about um, Caleb and Joshua and um, how that, you know, they, they said it's the, our enemies are going to be bred for us, you know? Um, and um, so then I come down and Sarah just lost it. <laughs> um, she just started weeping and, um, and yeah, I, I um, I came to see that, um, yeah, just the, the, the importance of our relationship and, um, yeah, um, just seeing the, the importance to care for my wife, um, above my ideal of what, what our ministry should look like. And it was really interesting because, I mean, I totally believe that I should just support that decision, but I was literally feeling, I mean, thoughts like I'm going to die. Um, I probably would have had some kind of mental breakdown, or I think that's the direction I was headed. But, um, but the Lord intervened, and I don't know, the whatever our authorities were, I don't remember who exactly it was, stepped in and said, you know what? Um, mm-hmm. we would rather you go home. And I don't even know, like, I don't think I was like telling anybody I'm burning out, you know? Um, but somebody stepped in and said, we think you should actually come home with some mission board or church leadership. I can't remember who it was said, you should come home because we'd like you to go back again someday and we don't want you to burn out. And so the Lord intervened there and sent us home, even though I had accepted, um, that decision. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the Lord used that whole process to help both of us evaluate how are we making decisions and, and how should we make decisions going forward? Yeah. Our marriage was really different after that, I would say. Yeah. So how would you say it's different now? We're not afraid to be honest about our needs and see that as part of our whole selves Mm -hmm. and to, to see self, um, strengthening the inner man as being part of our ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the decision-making process, is that different for you too now? Like, 
Yeah. Um, I had actually totally forgotten about that until he told the story right now. Um, I can't think of any other time where he said, I mean, can you? But we're going to do this. And I was yeah. like, I don't know that it's happened again. Like we learned to work things. And mm -hmm. yeah, um, in my single years, um, the way I would uh, seek the Lord's will, it was a lot having to do with confirmations and, you know, thing, um, things that would happen that would give me assurance that this is his will. And yeah, um, so I was more, yeah, I don't know. And I was, I was more practical. This is not going to work because X, Y, Z. <laughs> and had very little faith and he was all about the faith and it doesn't matter about xyz <laughs> <So, laughs> like if we empty our bank account to meet this person's need we will not be able to pay our rent next month honey <laughs> like those were some literal <laughs> conversations we had <laughs> and he was like don't you have any faith <laughs> so would you men say that the lord also speaks through your lives yeah, absolutely. You're, you're the spiritual absolutely. leader, you know. Is, is there two ways of looking at it? Because I think some men would say, well, God gives me more of the, the final say or the final vision and disregard some of what their wives say. I think yeah, the Holy I Spirit think... is neuter, gender neuter, <laughs> or gender neutral, I should say. I mean, I, I would absolutely say that God speaks through Judy just as much and sometimes more than through me. Yeah, and I think um, the beautiful thing is that she's learned to have be more uh, stepping out in faith, mm -hmm. and I've also learned the value of planning. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, so we we've, we've, we've both grown from in each that other. Way. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. done things since then that I thought were impossible, but we had decided that this is what God wants us to do, and so we kept pressing ahead right into the impossible, like. We were just telling the children the other night, we, we sponsored a refugee family when our income, we didn't really sponsor them. It was, it was just an opportunity that fell into our laps. It wasn't through any organization, but we decided we felt we had this was from the Lord to help them. And our income was so low, like so low. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even know how we were paying our own bills, but then we ended up help, needing to help this family with all this these expenses and um it was really faith building for me because it would have been clear to both of us that the lord did want us to reach out to this family and help them and the financial needs were a huge part of that but the lord came through time and time and time again and met those needs and so that was a good time for me to see god is there yeah i think one thing on that maybe clarify on that but you were saying i think it's basic on on major decisions we I would say we generally are all on, on the same page. I mean, we, we make them together, but the, the more, more talking on small things like the sure. plans, plans that we've made with other people or something. And, and do we, yeah. It's, when do you, when do we call it off? It's good at making me follow through on decisions that we've already made. <laughs> I, I think Jason and I were talking about this the other night, because we knew this was one of the questions on the list. And I don't know that we make any major decisions. Either he or I 
like we don't make we don't move ahead with things until we're both at peace with it and and both agreeing to move forward um and in that like i feel i feel that he trusts my judgment in that and i trust his in that and that god is the holy spirit is working through each of us for his timing in in some of that um and i don't know and it's not even always that we 100 percent agree but we're we're okay with it and yeah. we're we're comfortable with the decision well even even like some of the, the, the things you're talking about the mistaking the, the mistakes of decisions that our husbands might make or we might make or whatever like they might look like mistakes what i'm thinking about when we moved into the city that was jason's vision that was something god had given him vision for that i wasn't exactly willing to do and i got on board with it and things didn't go the way we had hoped with the mm -hmm. ministry that we were involved in and with the dreams and and goals and, and ideals that we had for that i still don't consider it a mistake because maybe it maybe it didn't turn out the way that jason envisioned or i envisioned mm -hmm. or or whatever mm -hmm. but god directed our steps and yeah. there were things that we experienced i just can't say that he didn't hear from God by getting that vision. And I can't say that we made a mistake to move ahead into that. I I, yeah. I, I think God, I struggled with that. I did. And it shook my my trust in his discernment for, for a season when things were really rough. But in hindsight, I can look back and say that was not a mistake. Was it difficult? Did it go as we planned? Yes, it was difficult. No, it did not go as we planned. Um, it was painful in many ways. But God was in it the whole way through and so sometimes we just step out in faith we don't know how it's going to turn out um and sometimes i you know i lay aside what i would prefer for his preference and he does the same for me yeah it's just that mutual laying down our lives and submitting to each other and to yeah there's give and take he's not the command man taking charge and i'm just toting along behind him and I'm not the matriarch making things happen. And he's just like, yes, mama. And yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if I want to get her riled up, I'll say yes, mom. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think that the concept that, okay, you know, there's got to be someone who makes the final decision kind of assumes this adversarial relationship between men and yes. women that like, you know, a woman's going to be get get all uppity and ornery if, if a man doesn't just like put his foot down and like and, and that's just that's just such a stupid view of men and women. I mean, am I saying that there aren't some women that are just going to argue with their husbands on everything and never let him make a decision? Like, well, I'm sure those kind of women exist, but I think they mostly exist in imagination. <laughs> yeah, the boogeyman. Right. It's like most. I think most women that get married realize a their husband's not a moron. And B, the man knows his wife is not a moron and that they're in it together. I think that it makes a difference. I mean, if they're believers, yeah, know, or they're, yeah, yeah, you'd have, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, is it is it a view of of a relationship between a man and a woman as, as Christ and the church, mm -hmm. or is it like a king and his little peon that he's got to sit on or they'll up they'll you know stage an uprising and burn down the castle <laughs> oh like uh, 
like the story in Kings about Rehoboam and how people told him we needed to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good story of how mm. patriarchy doesn't work, right? <laughs> I was thinking about a passage in Isaiah. I should probably pull it up, but it says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk you in it when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left and we come to places in life where we make decisions and sometimes we make the wrong decisions that does not mean we are not walking with the lord we are still listening for his voice mm -hmm. even after we made the decision and he still has the okay to say this is the way walk in it when we go to the right hand or to the left or he has the freedom to say actually adjust your course a little here and mm -hmm. just because we adjust course doesn't mean someone wasn't listening to the board or someone was walking. It just means the decision was made that isn't right. working out now. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes those decisions not working out have nothing to do with the decision we made. There's so many factors involved. Yes. Uh, which was the case for us. Like, if we had the freedom to do what we envisioned, but there were other people involved that affected yeah. that. And so we I and that's feel, a, that was okay yeah god was god god was big enough to cover that too even if yeah. we didn't necessarily agree with some of the other decisions made but it, it was okay we we came to a point where it was okay and that's very much how marriage is we don't always like for us we don't always agree but it's okay and we're we're together in it like somebody said no matter what yeah i just wanted to interject with something that um I think Joel said something about making a difference if both are believers. And we are definitely talking about kingdom relationships here, and that's important. But I don't want us to leave the impression that people who are not believers, that the guy's always lording it over the woman, because there are mm -hmm. some beautiful, mm -hmm. equitable relationships who don't know Christ right. at all. So mm -hmm. I just, I just wanted to clarify that some of these things are just relationships and they're not going to work or they are going to work no matter whether you're believers or not so mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm making well, god's god's and, principles and there, work regardless whether you believe in them or not mm -hmm. for sure i mean i i think that it takes a certain amount of strength to do it really really well and, and that strength comes from god but like my parents are agnostics or atheists and their marriage is a really good example in some points of just like pulling together and working together and it, it works that way i mean they they <laughs> they kind of taught me how to fight fair i guess <laughs> um which but and and yeah i i think looking on as a child like seeing my parents have conflicts and work them out together like that that was good for me and it's it's kind of transferred into our marriage like i mean our kids i mean i don't think we've ever fought but like our kids have seen us disagree and sat there and hash it out and come to a decision together and i think that's fantastic for them like mm -hmm. i don't know i was i was terrified to like disagree with joel about anything in front of my kids like you know, Joel, Joel like is like, yeah, you know, like I really like this kind of food. I'm like, I hate and despise that kind of food, but I can't say that because the kids are watching and it's like, nah, <laughs> I think it's so good for them to see a little bit of, of healthy conflict that we work through together. 
How do our kids learn conflict resolution? Is that what you're going to say? Exactly. If they don't see us, us in conflict and resolving it. Um, and uh, yeah, we don't have our big, our big, whatever, knockdown drag outs in front of them. <laughs> but, and also, how, how are they going to learn to, yeah, like you said, conflict resolution. How are, how are they going to see us? How are they going to learn to apologize? How are they going to learn to make things right if they don't observe what led up to that? And yeah. I'm not saying do it intentionally in front of them, right. but it's okay. They can, it's, it can be a training just as much as any other part of our training, training mm. our children. And even um, recently when Jason and I were in a not as fun spot, um, our, our middle son. How many years ago was that? about 14 <laughs> or, or, or was that just 14 hours ago maybe no, last but, week <laughs> no it was a few weeks ago when i don't even know what the issue was but i was not happy with you and you were not happy with me and uh-oh there you are um anyway and our middle son is really sensitive like he's very in, in tune to people and relationships and and i could tell he was concerned you know it was um concerning to him so I just talked to him. I said, yeah, like right now, daddy and I, we're, we're, we're having a disagreement and we're not very happy with each other, but we're going to work it out because mm -hmm. we are committed and we're going to work it out and it's all going to be okay. And he, just, mm -hmm. he, he almost visibly relaxed, kind of gave me a hug, walked away. And I don't, I don't even feel bad about that <laughs> um, because it's healthy for him to know that even good marriages have tension and conflict, but we're committed. We're, mm -hmm. we're, and I am more committed than ever to us, um, to him, and to my own well-being, like you were saying, Sarah, earlier, and to our marriage. Like I earlier in our early in our marriage, I think in the first first year, when we would travel, I would read to Jason while we drove. And I read the book by Walter Wanger, and I highly recommend it, called As for Me and My House. And he refers, and at the time I did not grasp what he was what he was saying fully, but he talked about that there's a man, there's a woman, and there's this third entity. There's the marriage. And, uh. and you guard the marriage. Yes, you want to care for him. Yes, you need to make sure you are healthy. But you, there's this third entity that you protect and fight for. Um, and I get that in a way I didn't then. And for my, for my son to see me say, or to hear me say, yes, we are in conflict right now, but I am committed to our marriage um and to your dad and to myself um he needs to our children need to hear these messages that's good i think the last question on our list was how do you men encourage or enable your wife to develop into her full capabilities spiritually mentally in talents or educationally it's something we we don't always think about as Mennonite women or even Christian women, you know, like in developing far beyond being a housewife or uh, being a mom, being a wife. But I see you guys have all done that. How did you or what what gave you the idea? How did you get the inspiration? Do you have advice for other men or women? I mean, anybody can answer this one. Well, I, I'd like to boast on Noel here a little bit. <laughs> when when uh, we got married, um, I was a midwife. Um, 
I've been in practice on my own for, um, I don't know, oh, four or five years. And uh, he, he, even when we were dating, he's like, man, I just, I wish I could see you doing your work, but nobody wants me to come to their birth, but I would just love to see what you excel at. And he, like, he was super excited about my um, career, my interests, my passion. And that was affirming to me, even when we were dating just to have him speak words of um, encouragement and excitement about my chosen path. Um, and even after we got married, um, we had friends in the first year of marriage who wanted me to come to their births. And he was, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely you go. And, um, and on the mission field, sometimes I think I helped with about 30 different ladies in our village have babies. And um, Every time, every time he was like, oh, he would drop things, stay home, watch the kids, make sure I could go and exercise that gift and talent that I had. And that was, I, I was not expecting that from our background, from our setting. I was just like, okay, there goes my 12 years of midwifery training and yeah, apprenticeship and all that. I guess that part of my life is done. And he always encouraged me to keep it going and just I'll just say this, just recently, I've had an opportunity with a midwife who's been asking me to go on births with her again recently, and he's been 100% for it. Now we both, like, I'm homeschooling, I want to be around my little children, and we both have that shared goal that, I mean, he works, he works 50 hours a week or whatever, so we have this, obviously, someone needs to care for our children, and I'm happy to be primarily fulfilling that role but he's supportive of me needing to get a babysitter or I'll be gone at night delivering a baby. And obviously he's there alone with the kids, but it's not too hard in the middle of the night watching them by himself. So, <laughs> but anyways, all that to say, like he's never expected me to not be a midwife anymore. And I can see how, you know, as we move out of the very little stage that it will probably work its way back into my life. I don't know, in some form or another more and more. And he's totally positive about that. Not that, we won't have to evaluate each step along the way and say, how's this working for us as a family, for our shared goals, for our, our mutual visions, for our home and family and children. But he's excited about that part of me and he encourages it. And that's just amazing to me and, and something I consider a gift, especially in our settings, because yeah, I know not everybody would be excited about that. That is the one career, though, that, that's okay. It is the one okay career, which is always like everyone having, everyone having their dozen babies, they want their midwives around. So. But I think he, the thing is, I know he would feel the same way if I was a brain surgeon. He would be yeah. like, you know, you've had your five babies, why don't you, you know, get your continuing ed back up again or whatever. And in fact, we've talked about going for, for more medical education that mentality takes being in love with a woman and not in love with a role filler yeah wow good word yes yeah he didn't just have a baby ever he didn't just marry a baby <laughs> ever <laughs> a baby ever. <laughs> i i want to say to to women who might be listening to this you may you're you may your your greatest um, joy may be homemaking yes, or mothering absolutely. your own children. And that is fabulous. If that is 
I know I've heard you say, Rosanna, that mm-hmm. your, you know, your greatest joy would be if you could have just stayed home with your children. Mm-hmm. That's and all I wanted to be. I wanted to be a mom. Yeah. And you weren't. That was denied you. And I'm really sad about that. But there are other women who have the same desire and get to do that. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's other women like Sarah and I who have like probably a dozen dreams popping through our mind every day. We <laughs> were getting involved in or whatever. And and the, the the energy that we have, if I sit on that energy, I just about implode, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm married to a man who who is who's well just pushes me out there and says, go do it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm here to I'm here to back you up in that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, powerful and i say may their tribe increase (laughs) that's that's one of the things i was thinking you know because i i think god pushed me out of my comfort zone to make me grow in ways that i wouldn't have grown if i hadn't been out of it i'm not saying that everything that happened would have god god wanted to happen in my life but he did allow it but i think that's what every woman at some point thinks in her life you know what, who am I? Why am I here? Why did God create me? What does he have for me to do? And I think there are married women who need to be maybe just nudged a little to get out of that comfort zone. I wanted to be nothing more than a mother when I had young children. I found total fulfillment in being a mother. And it seemed that during that season, all other ambitions stilled. But now that my youngest is 18 and he's in college, all these joyful possibilities are coming back to me. And so this is a little off subject, but just speaking to women who love mothering, it may even be for this season. Yes. I would not debate those years of being a mom, but I, I don't want to feel finished because that part of my life is done. There's it'd be 40 mm-hmm. years ahead and I want to live at Foley. So. <laughs> Something that Joel does really excellently is, I mean, right now I have got a nine-month-old and I've got a five-year-old and I've got a seven-year-old and we're homeschooling and I have chronic illness. And some days I tell Joel, I will be completely tickled pink if everybody makes it to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely know this. He empowers me. I mean, some days I'm just like, Joel, take the kids for two hours. I need to clean the bathroom. And I, I'm just like, I clean that bathroom and I'm just, yeah, like I'm so <laughs> excited. And like, that is like what I need to do. But he also sees like 10 years down the road, I want to write books and he's not going to let me forget that either. Yeah. <laughs> you wow. know, he's not going to let me forget that I have, I have a vision to be be a very active like grandma and be able to be there for my kids I don't think he's gonna let me forget that either (laughs) I don't I don't know how you do it (laughs) isn't it fun to like be each other's like number one cheerleader I, I I love I love watching Jason do what he's good at um I love that and I he he tells me he loves seeing me do um, what I'm good at and, and rejoicing in each other's strengths and callings and giftings and purposes, celebrating that and not feeling threatened by it. I think that's one thing that, you know, in, in our marriage, and I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, in some ways it feels like we're the reverse of what is expected in our culture, where I'm the, I'm the visionary and I'm the 
whatever. I'm the kind of the the talkative one, and I'm well. He is too. He's but, but yeah. I I have more masculine leadership abilities. What we call masculine, you know, <laughs> leadership abilities, maybe. And he's and he is more of a support person, typically by personality. And that's that's been some of the pressure that we felt like not okay to be who we are. But but when I see where he shines, and I bless that and get excited about that, and he does the same for me, and we're both empowering each other to be fully fully who God made us to be and to do what God designed us to do purpose for us with our personalities and our giftings. That is the, like the most, um, what's the word fulfilling, fulfilling and empowering. And it's the best place to live. There's life there. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, unless there's something burning in your heart's to share yet, I'm thinking we could move into just a bit of advice that you would have for a courting couple, a young married couple. What advice do you wish someone had told you and you had listened to way back at the beginning? Maybe this could be our wrap up question like we usually do. Yeah, that's When, when we got married on our wedding day, one of my friends that had gotten married before us told us that he advised us to just take the day and just enjoy it. Like, just enjoy each other. Don't worry about things go right or wrong. Don't worry about you planned it. Let it happen what happens. And I think there's some some value in... Maybe just in a marriage in that, like enjoy each other. Yeah, there's planning that goes into it. There's some thing decisions that need to be made. Um, but I think we can get so hung up in the details that we don't enjoy each other and we don't enjoy what we have to offer and what the other person has to offer. And I think that's the advice I would give. Enjoy each other, learn, get your own rhythm. Rhythm. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't work what you're trying, try something else. I, I remember that's, um, there's something good that my dad told me. If it doesn't work, try something else. Um, I know I kind of gave a, uh, maybe a negative vibe from my dad, but he did teach me a lot of things. That's one of the things that he taught me is that if it doesn't work, try something else. And, and if that doesn't work, like find something that works for you and it may not be what you expect or what other people expect. Another thing that we actually committed to when we were dating, and maybe this has been one of the saving graces of our relationship is, you know, people say that communication is the key to good relationship. And we just kind of decided that you can communicate to your blue in the face and say a whole lot of nothing. But... But honesty is actually um, a foundational for good relationship. And, and we committed to being honest with each other about, yeah, about our feelings, about everything. And I can't, you know, it's not like we've never, it's not like we've always done that perfectly and well, but that was, that was the underlying commitment when we began our relationship. And I, and I, I would say that to any couple, like you've got to be honest with each other. You've got to don't hold back. Um, 
but be honest. My youngest brother, Tim, just got married. And um, one of the things I shared with him was um, uh, that um, one of the things Sarah and I um, had a kind of a difficult time learning was our our meet our ways of uh, or our our different types of spirituality maybe um, and like um, the things that would touch her heart and stand out to her and the way she would express that to me. Um, yeah, just, we were just very different. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess uh, I always pictured, um, you know, uh, you know, always having these sweet, you know, um, uh, times of having devotions together and really, um, yeah. Um, connecting that way. Connecting that way. That's not how it's been. Um, it's, we kind of have um, our own things and, and seeking the Lord. And then when the Lord speaks to us or shows us something, um, then we'll share that with each other. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, we come at it different ways so differently yeah <laughs> and that's okay and and that was hard for me because i could tell when i would share something early we had devotions together and we'd read a passage and I'd be like oh this stands out to me for xyz and he would just kind of be like uh-huh <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> i don't know we, we were not feeling it <laughs> i'd be like actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was just at a, a women's meeting on Saturday where the speaker talked about our spiritual love languages. And you just described it perfectly. Different things minister to you because you're different people. So that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just learning how to appreciate that and um, that that's okay. You're you're different in your spirits. Yeah. Um, and you connect with the Lord in different ways, and and that's great. And don't be, you know, don't think that the other is being unspiritual, or, um, yeah, just or that you're not spiritual enough. But just to give that freedom and and mm -hmm. to learn from each other and appreciate um, was was a, I think can be a, a big thing. Probably if I was talking to a young woman who is courting, especially from a conservative background, I would probably tell her to try him, not in the sense of challenge him or, yeah, be obnoxious, obviously, or unchristlike, but um, to, if you have a different thought, please share it now and watch his response. Is he mm -hmm. threatened by that? Is he um, welcoming of that? How does he respond to you? Does he treat you with respect? Um, and of course, always assuming she needs to be treating him as well with Christ-like respect and honor. But um, yeah, I'm really thankful that Noel um, was where he was with Christ because, well, I didn't really want to get married to anyone. I don't think I would have 
fallen for anybody <laughs> other than Noel. <laughs> but he, he, it took him some persuading. I don't know. He asked me to, he asked me to record him three times, but <laughs> so that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but however, that was the, the point being my mindset was like, yeah, not to speak my mind. And I, I just think he wouldn't have known what he was getting either. And it wouldn't have been fair to him either to not see the whole me. And so I would tell girls, be you a hundred percent. Um, express yourself. If you do not feel like you can express yourself with freedom and joy, there's something wrong in your relationship. That's excellent. Let's hear from Joel and Sarah. I think that so much of the key is, and looking back on it, I would, I would even say to myself, know who you are, know who you are in Christ, know how much you are valued as one of his children, not just as a woman, but you're, you're a disciple and that means something, but then also know who he created you to be uniquely and look at what makes you, you, I mean, yeah, you might be a wife and you might be a mother, but you're, you're more than that. You're designed exactly the way you're supposed to be and don't be afraid of that changing like you're gonna change when you go through stuff when you have children as as you get older you're going to change and sometimes you turn around and you don't recognize yourself and don't be afraid to change and give your husband the same kind of grace I mean Joel's been pretty steady as we've been married <laughs> but my perspective on him has changed and that used to scare me and now I welcome it and it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if I had any advice that we didn't already cover. I can't, I can't <laughs> think of anything. Yeah, I just want to say that was really good. That is, that is so foundational, like knowing who you are and in Christ and who Christ says you are and what he's, what he's, how he's made you and embracing that and bringing that fully. I think that is just so, so key. Mm. And I, I, I see that in, in you, in, in your marriage. And yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> the, this, these bits of advice have been wonderful. And I hope there's some courting couples that get to hear it. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. It's been so much fun to meet your husbands to meet you men. We've heard a lot about you. God bless you all and we'll see some of you next time. The Kingdom Women Podcast is a member of the Kingdom Outpost Podcast Network. For more articles and podcasts and resources regarding living in the kingdom, go to www.kingdomoutpost.org.